friends and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano joined as always by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, how you doing, buddy? Dan, I'm about as good as anybody it could could be after watching a three and a half hour infomercial. You know, back in the day when I was when I was younger, you know, 1976, I couldn't sleep at 2.30 in the morning, flipping the channels. You know, it'd be Slim Whitman, you know, 10 minute Slim Whitman infomercial, the best of Slim Whitman. You know, they tell you that Slim Whitman sold more, sold more albums than the Beatles. But two things. Number one, that was like 10 minutes. And number two, Slim Whitman could actually sing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Survivor Series brought to you by Ronco. But um, we're going to get to that, Benny. We got a lot to go over. Uh, this is kind of just a a week in, in review. Well, two weeks in review because we've got some stuff to talk about uh, that happened last week. And um, some big news, actually, uh, tied to the sponsor of the show. So why don't you give a shout out to our sponsor and say why uh, why he might have some bragging rights. I'd be glad to. Dan and Benny in the Ring is brought to you by Boogie's Wrestling Camp, founded in 1992 by wrestling legend Jimmy Valiant and his beautiful wife Angel. BWC is situated in beautiful, scenic Shawsville, Virginia. Whether you want to be a wrestler, manager, announcer, or valet, BWC is the place for you. At BWC, you'll receive the best possible training from Jimmy and his amazing staff. You'll learn holes, bumps, psychology, and promos. And the cost is only $250 down and $20 per session, which is dirt cheap. Boogie's Wrestling Camp has turned out 29 graduating classes. And the most notable, and I, now I can revise this, the most notable alumnus being AEW world champion, uh, Hangman Adam Page. So when you join BWC, you're not just joining a wrestling school. You're becoming a part of the family. Interested? You, uh, visit Jimmy at jimmyvaliant.weebly.com. For more information on Boogie's Wrestling Camp, BWC, the Ring of Dreams, where the dream becomes reality, and definitely tell them that uh, Dan and Benny sent you. Yes, sir, and you you hit you said it right there. Uh, Hangman Adam Page, the AEW champion now, and I was fortunate enough. Uh, AEW was in Norfolk the Wednesday following their pay per view, their first televised event with him as champion. I was there. Uh, they were here in town. Of course, so much wrestling history in this city, Benny. But uh, it was great to see. And and I want to start with a positive because we're going to talk about a lot of lows lot of today. Um, the I, I want everybody to go out there. Find it on YouTube. I know it's on their page. Find it if you can. The the big development now, the push, the the cycle, whatever, whatever you want to call it, the, the plan, long-term plan that AEW is going for is uh, Brian Danielson, spoiler alert, Brian Danielson turned heel at the event in Norfolk, and he did it with such a good promo. It reminded me of the old school, the, the, the Jim Cornette, the Arn Anderson, the people who could be heel, who never change what they're saying, but just how they react to and from the crowd is whether or not they're heel or face. And he, he had some great lines. It was so good to hear the way he played off and his emotion, and you could tell he was having fun. And and I I love Brian Danielson. Uh, I was a huge fan of him before. Obviously, uh, his WWE run was great. He did name drop WrestleMania, which the crowd was not too thrilled with. But um, he you can see the difference and hear the difference between an emotional promo from someone who who is speaking from the heart, speaking from you know shooting from the hip. Versus the scripted suffer and succotash that you see on WWE right now. And we're going to get to some of the problems that WWE is having. But I, I cannot recommend enough to go watch that promo. It's incredible. The fans, the audience was hot. Norfolk is always a great crowd. But it's such a... <laughs> it's, I, just, I cannot recommend enough. But I love what they're doing. And speaking of AEW, I want to give a shout out to them. We've had several other talents... Uh, on the roster, the the promotion here in Hampton Roads, uh, Norfolk, Hampton, is is VCW, Virginia Championship Wrestling. I posted it on our brigade page, on the fan page, that just before he showed up at the pay-per-view, actually that week, um, <clears throat> excuse me, that week he showed up, the uh, 
Jay Lethal had signed to appear at the December VCW event, the Virginia uh, local indie event here. And he, he agrees to signs to AEW. Of course, that's great publicity for VCW because his first indie appearance as an AEW guy, especially because his first match was for the title, um, is going to be with VCW. Well, due to commitment issues, he, uh, AEW schedule, he cannot make the VCW show. Well, instead of just, Hey, shrug, whatever, you know, move on. I, I want to say how awesome it is. Tony Khan and his people and AEW worked with the local promoters to not just reschedule, not just reschedule Jay Lethal's appearance for January or early 2022, I guess is, is the way they worded it. But Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel is going to be in Norfolk. Now they, they booked a replacement and helped reschedule because they, they want to work with the indie talent. And I just, I mean, Benny, could you see McMahon doing something like that? Signing that was, away an indie guy. Like Bill Clinton would say, you just read my mind. You know, <laughs> I, I, in my wildest dreams, like, <laughs> I could not imagine Vince McMahon doing anything like that. Yeah. They, it shows, it shows a, a care for the talent and the fans and a willingness to work with independent talent. Speaking of independent talent, another shout out, the, uh, Prior to filming the 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 televised events for Wednesday and Friday nights, um, they AW did their elevation, their dark, their YouTube show, and that those matches featured several VCW uh, talent regulars, including uh, Irvin Legend, who has been on the show as a guest. He's a friend of the program. Um, actually, you know, Benny, I say many times I've told the story. Uh, Jeff the Ref is uh, the 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 found the original. My friend, the original voice of, of the program in the in its old iteration, um, the reason I, I got involved when taking over when Jeff passed. But prior to his passing, there was actually discussions of Jeff and Irvin doing the podcast. So we kind of took that spot and he's been very supportive since um, we've had him on the show, but getting to watch him. And of course, it's a hometown crowd. So. Uh, you know, AEW does the old school stage setup with the two with the two tunnels, you know, NWA style. Bad guys come out one ramp, good guys come out another. You know, heels and faces. Well, the 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 non ring announced talent came around the side of the stage. Well, they happened to come around the side of the stage where we were sitting. My uh, we were in the fourth row uh, by the ramp. So great great seats. Really not a bad not a bad seat in that arena, but great seats where we were. And when he came out and the crowd slowly started to recognize him, because, you know, it's, it's just kind of a, a tuck out when the cameras are off. Right. And the reaction was huge. It was a pop. The crowd, Irvin, they, they, the crowd chanted. They popped for the offense he had. Uh, the reaction was great. And I just want to say it was awesome to see him. Uh, again, that's a, his, his matches on YouTube. Go check it out. But it's, it's always wonderful to see. One, I mean, it's just cool to see talent, you know, you know, he's watching your friends on the big stage, but also the, the care I went to, my wife and I were at SmackDown. Sorry, this tirade's a little longer than I expected, but my wife and I went to SmackDown, which was also in Norfolk a, a few days before AEW. SmackDown was on Friday. AEW was the following Wednesday and it was night and day. The quality of the program, the quality of the crowd, the size of the crowd versus how empty, empty and full the arenas were. And there was, there was no, it was, WWE was very formal. It was, here's our wrestlers, here's our show. AEW did a lot more interaction with the fans. They brought the indie talent. They said, hey, look, it's your local heroes from Virginia, from D.C., from areas around here. And it was just, it was such a different atmosphere. And we're going to get into a little bit of some of the other negatives, but I cannot I mean, I know you don't want to take sides, Benny. You and I talk wrestling all the time, but if you're a fan right now, I would say why. If you, and you only you only have a few hours a week to watch wrestling, watch Wednesday nights and Friday nights uh, before or late Friday nights before you watch what what the crap that comes out on Mondays now. You know what? From where, from where I'm sitting, though, it seems like AEW their focus is on the fans, and WWE their focus is on the dollar. Absolutely. Absolutely. Speaking of uh, of dollar, um, we we're recording this on a Tuesday. Now, the episode that we broadcast last week was previously recorded, so it wasn't live. Um, 
by the way, great reaction we've been getting from that because that's, I mean, you remember that conversation we had. Oh, absolutely. It's always fun to talk to that that kind of legend. But in the meantime, in, in uh, covering a little bit of news, speaking of WWE's almighty dollar, they announced some more releases in the past two weeks, um, most recently a few days ago, that some of which surprised uh, surprised me. And the apparently the story backstage is the the email that came out from John Laurinaitis was budget reasons, budget cuts, and I mean really uh, the 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 two we talked about it a little bit before the the show went on the air. Uh, the two that really surprised me were John Morrison, who has I mean even at his age he's still better than most of the guys half his age as far as in ring talent and the reaction he gets and he can always put on even with the stupid drip drip gimmick he can still put on uh he can still put on good matches and but then you look at some of the other names you had tegan knox who's an uh, nxt star she's been heavily featured uh so it's it that caught me off guard and then you and i talked a, more about uh they released the entire all three the entire hit uh, faction hit row uh isaiah swerve scott uh ashante the adonis and top dollar now what's interesting with that benny and i'm going to get your thoughts on it is not just that uh hit row has been featured heavily in nxt for the last year and change but they just got called up to smackdown they they've been pushed heavily since and promoted heavily since they've been on smackdown and uh you know You've got the host of the WWE Treasure Show, who's also in that faction, is is released. So it it seems like a really weird choice if you're arguing just for budget cuts to cut talent that you're actively making money off of right now. So uh, as a finance guy, I have two thoughts about that. One is, number one, Vince McMahon, I think the last time I checked, I think his net worth is $2.1 billion dollars. And WWE is on track to uh, make record-breaking profits in 2021. So where's the need for budget cuts, number one? And then number two, you know, you invest all this money in in this new talent. It's like a new product. You know, go back to Ronco, the Popeil's Pocket Fisherman. That was another one that was on 2.30 in the morning. You yeah, know, that's why I mentioned a, Ronco earlier. Yeah, you, right, Ron Popeil. You spend a billion dollars or whatever you spend advertising this product, you push it to the limit. You know, Then you put it on TV for a couple of weeks, then you just yank it for no reason. And that's kind of where you know my feeling on that. Yeah, and you, you, you mentioned you hit it right on the head with the record profits and the record numbers. Now, I will say uh, Eric Bischoff, uh, he he commented on the recent releases and he called them a market correction that the 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 needle was swinging too far one way and maybe that makes sense but it reminds me of the conversation we had our friend Mikey on the show is you cut talent you cut office staff you relocate you you sign new contracts you push you they've gutted NXT for what it was it really, to me, and you're a finance guy, Benny, it really, to me, feels like you're getting this company in line to make it the most valuable, like like throwing extra uh, extra new countertops in a house you're just getting ready to sell. They're, they're trying to shine up this company to sell it is what it looks like to me. And yeah. it, it really feels that way. Yeah, they definitely, they're putting a hood ornament on the Cadillac for sure. Exactly. I, I don't know it. It's a shame, and hopefully, whoever if they do sell it, whoever buys it will correct the ship because there have been some serious misdoings, and we're going to get into a few of them here shortly. Oh yeah, uh, honestly, I would love, and I know it, it's it's never going to happen, pipe dream, but I would love to see the cons by WWE. You know, the Monday Night Wars come full circle. Vince Vince buys WCW. A new company rises from the ashes of WCW and buys the WWE, you know? 20 years later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, there's been a lot of uh, lot of talk about it. Uh, speaking of of talk, there's been some talk. WrestleCon, the, 
and I want to get your thoughts on this, Benny. WrestleCon, the big convention that happens the, the, every year around WrestleMania, it's, it's obviously in Dallas for 2022. They announced that uh, Wyndham Rotunda, the former Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, will be appearing at WrestleCon, his first confirmed public appearance of any kind since his release. So uh, you think the fact that he's going to be in town WrestleMania weekend means anything, or is this a good time to go make a few bucks? Yeah, I think it, <clears throat> I think it might be that. And it's interesting they use his real name. Um, I would be shocked if he did not resurface somewhere before that, though. He's just too good of a talent. Yeah, absolutely. And now let me ask you something, Benny. Um, speaking of, of talent, I want to get your thoughts on this. There's a, a channel on Twitter I follow. Uh, and I know I just I complimented them earlier, so it, it, bear with me because it might sound a little two-faced. Um, there's a there's a, a group called um, AEW Botches, and they mostly make very lighthearted uh, uh, video clips and whatnot of some of the mistakes that you see from the AEW talent because there are some. Uh, you hear you hear you know my opinion of people like the Young Bucks and Orange Cassidy and the flippy overly fake stuff that looks terrible and some of them, you know, and we'll get into it here in a bit, but uh, they posted numbers of talent day one, AW talent and how long it's been since they've been on a tele on television. And some of those are days in the hundreds, you know, uh, this is your sunny kiss, uh, Joey Janela, Marco stunt, some of those, some of that talent. And now you've got uh, punk, You've got Danielson. Uh, you've got some other talent floating around that may may or may not be appearing uh, with with rumors of everybody from <clears throat> excuse me of rumors of everybody from Kevin Owens to uh, the rest of Adam Cole's clique from NXT, uh, Johnny Gargano, uh, among others, um, who are having contracts that are coming up. Apparently the story is the WWE is willing to throw all kinds of money and time at, at Gargano to keep him around. Um, so who knows, AEW might be picking up some more no- names, but some of the talent that wouldn't it connect with the public audience, like a, a Janelle, Joey Janela, the way obviously punk and Brian would, um, so I'm just wondering if your thoughts, if you bring in Bray Wyatt and, and eventually, you know, obviously now with Malachi Black, with uh, Miro and with so much other talent that's just kind of slowly taking the spot. Do you see the transition there? Do you think there's there's room or is this one of those where maybe a year from now, six months from now, when these contracts come up, does AEW have a purge of talent as far as as contracts, cuts and renewals? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I think with, you know, like a Sunny Kiss or anybody like that, you know, Joey Janela, who's called Nutella, um, you know, it's just a matter of like they have significantly upgraded their roster and they kind of just push those guys to the back of the line. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, I I I wonder who they're going to sign next. And obviously they can't sign everybody, but it seems like they're picking up a lot of good talent. Um, you know, now with this latest wave of WWE uh, budget cuts, I could see them picking up a John Morrison easily. Absolutely. You know, um, one thing, speaking of Morrison, his his wife, she wrestled uh, Taya Valkyrie. She she wrestled under um, Frankie Monet. She was the uh, cut in the last round um, and she made a public statement. Basically, don't uh, you know about supporting a company that clearly doesn't care about its talent. I mean, they went from a two-income household to both of them being unemployed in two weeks, less than, you know, a month before Christmas. And I wonder if, obviously, the WWE has taken a lot of heat from the fans uh, for, you know, and, and Jim Cornette said it best that if you have a contract, if you sign a three-year contract, but, but every 90 days you can be cut without reason – then you only signed a 90 day contract. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, the, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean, what, like the three, if you can get cut in 90 days, you have a 90 day contract. Yeah. He's absolutely right. And, and it's, you know, it's interesting to see because I wonder if let's say a few months from now, a year from now, when, when you're Janela and Marco stunt and some of those who haven't been on TV, except maybe the YouTube shows for, to, uh, the, over a year, 
if if their contract expires and AEW chooses not to renew, do they take the same heat as cutting someone during the deal? Or do you think that the fans, look, I get it. You've got a lot more talent now. Somebody, you know, no offense to his in-ring ability because he does get over well with the fans. But someone like Sonny Kiss is not going to bring in the, and move the merch and bring in the numbers that a, a CM Punk, a a uh, Brian Danielson, uh, Hangman Page, somebody like that will. No, I, I think clearly you know, in a case like that, there's some logic behind the release. I mean, the guys, the guys in the back of the line, I mean, he's not really doing anything. He's not producing for the company where Morrison is a viable talent. And, and, you know, still a, a now he's not going to main event WrestleMania Morrison, but he could still be an IC champion, US champion tag team. Yeah, no, you're right. I could see that. But um, Morrison's interesting because he reminds me of what we talked about with what we talked about with like carrying cross or killer cross. And, um, you know, that he's kind of a, a package deal with feet with a female talent. That's also a free agent right now. There's, there's no logic behind it. Uh, I mean, with a carrying cross, there's, there's a sunny kiss. Absolutely could see that in the future. The guy hasn't done anything. Cross just comes up to the main roster, loses what to Jeff Hardy. What, what, what's the yeah, purpose yeah. in that? In, in a dirty yeah. pin, right? So you just, you just wasted a great talent that you invested a ton of money in over the past couple of years. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Speaking. Uh, as we transition, you talk about bad booking. Speaking of bad booking, the the original plan for this show this week, we were going to do a review of the Survivor Series. Now, I've said before, uh, the gimmick, the two gimmick pay-per-views, the Survivor Series and the Royal Rumble, have always been my favorite. Um, uh, th- this is actually an anniversary to the 92 Survivor Series, which featured like the Hulkamaniacs against the Million Dollar Dream uh, or the Million Dollar Team, the the four by fours with Duggan and Hart. Uh, Just in my opinion, um, uh, the Ultimate Warrior knocking Andre out and getting him counted out when he beat the Heenan family. My opinion, the greatest Survivor Series ever. Um, But uh, I, I can't do it anymore, Benny. I'm sorry. I... I I squinted as hard as I could for the Raw versus SmackDown stuff because a combination of both it was a combination of both the the fact that the the the, the rosters don't matter but maybe you can look over the the talent like a couple years ago when it was Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT those were all phenomenal matches Great matches, great event. I really enjoyed that that elimination style. What I didn't like is this year you have the Survivor Series five weeks, not even a not even a month and a half after the draft. So, the, it, for example, in the ten man Survivor Series match, the the Raw vs SmackDown five on five match, six or excuse me, seven of the of the ten competitors were wrestling for a show they weren't on a month ago. How is right. that brand loyalty? Right. It, 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 it's, it's, it's stupid. It uh, doesn't carry over. And holy crap, we're going to get into the stuff with the egg and, and the fact that their Survivor Series this year was basically a three-hour commercial. But um, I, I just I can't do it, Benny. You've taken what was my favorite event. I mean, remember the Survivor Series was created to continue the Andre Hogan feud. Team Andre against Team Hogan after WrestleMania three. Which of course Andre won uh, the last eliminating Bam Bam Bigelow, and it just it it doesn't carry the over anymore. You, you, the brand loyalty has run its course, especially with shows like Raw yesterday, where both Raw and SmackDown stars just showed up because Vince McMahon told them to. You know, um, you don't have NXT's involvement, so there's not that 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 triple threat feel of anything. It's it, it, I think. I really think it's run its course with what they're doing. If they don't go back to the original style, 
the Raw versus SmackDown just isn't invested anymore, especially this pay-per-view where, I mean, really, going back at least a month, you could count on one hand the number of hours that they've spent promoting it. The the ice the Intercontinental versus United States Championship match was announced at the last minute and was bumped to the pre-show. The the tag match was announced at the last minute, and it's just you have you have matches that nobody cares about. The crowd, and we'll get into that. Holy crap, we'll get into the crowd's reactions. Um, but what do you? I mean, am, am I wrong here, Benny? It just seems like this is this show that WWE openly did not care about this pay per view. So why as a fan should I? Right, exactly. They they had no investment in it, so why should we? And um, you know, you kind of said the same thing. If you wound the clock back two months, you could almost flip the rosters. Exactly, and you have, I, I just it's it's crazy. And we'll, I mean, especially the opening match. Let's let's get right into the reviews. The opening match was Charlotte against Becky, women's champion against women's champion. They literally flipped the titles. Right. It just they came out. Sonya Deville in the ring. Hey, hand each other your belts. Okay, now you're you're each other's respective champions. Go back to your shows. I mean, how, they they clearly don't care about their champions. So this is a ma- Okay, I get there's heat there. Apparently, real life. If the dirt sheets are to be believed, but it, again, this was a match where you had this the a woman who was the SmackDown champion a month ago against a woman who was the Raw champion a month ago fighting for each other's perspective brand supremacies with new belts that they didn't care about. And for as far as Becky and Sh- and Charlotte matches go, it was serviceable, but they've had better matches. And let me ask you something, Benny, as a guy, well, you and I have talked about a lot of Charlotte matches since we've been doing the podcast together. Has she ever hit the moonsault? It always seems like she just lands on her feet next to the person and kind of slightly elbows them. You know, my my comment here is foul tip. That that was my comment, foul tip. I think she hit uh, Becky's pinky, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't even. And the thing is, is they they did the replay and the announcers tried to sell it off like, oh, she must have she she hit her with the elbow or the arm. No, you blatantly missed, <laughs> like clearly missed. Leave well enough alone. It, exactly, <clears throat> but. You know, um, and I mean, what, what do you say about this match? It was better I mean, than some, worse than it others. It wasn't bad. I clocked it at 18 minutes, 14 seconds. The crowd seemed to be, unless they piped in, that this is awesome. But, um, I mean, it, generally they have good chemistry together, Charlotte and yeah. Becky. I have a note here, like Becky's uh, ring attire was a little bit too uh, short. Uh, I have a note here. She should have been called Becky Two Cheeks. Becky Two Cheeks, um, yeah. Yeah, the, you know? the internet has had some fun with her uh, her outfit, which I give her credit as a um, as a, as a comic book fan. Her her attire was Scarlet Witch themed, and I liked that look with the pointed boots and everything. So, I, I put good match, crappy ending. You know, the, the old roll up. Yeah, the, the which of course, I mean, you know, we we you had Charlotte rolled up, tried to use the ropes, ref caught her. Becky rolled her up. It was real awkward, though. Like, it seemed botched. Becky was kind of watching. Like, she didn't want to grab the ropes until the ref looked away, but he didn't look away until, like, two and a half of the count. So she it, she kind of grabbed the ropes while he was coming down for three. So it just looked sloppy. And it took a long time. It took way too it, long. It did. That was a long three count because they had to get it right. Right. Um, but speaking of which, uh, uh, getting it right, I'll mention, I go back a second. Did you happen to watch the pre-show? I did. Yes, I did. Okay. I saw, I saw I, Shinsuke and uh, and Damian. Yeah, with uh, Damian Priest getting disqualified, hitting Shinsuke with the with Rick Boogs's guitar, and um, he's been a little more aggressive recently in his wrestling. I wonder, maybe, maybe a a, a tweener or a heel turn coming for him. But I thought the the Nakamura Damian Priest match was good for what it was. It certainly. Uh, it was a good way to get the crowd going. The crowd seemed to like it. They weren't too thrilled with the with the finish. They obviously never are when it comes to cheap DQs. And um, I'll I give Shinsuke credit for taking that shot. Uh, Rick Boogs uses an electric guitar. Those things are not easy to gimmick, like the old uh, honky tonk man Jeff Jarrett guitars that turned right. to powder when he before they you know before he was finished swinging. That that guitar shot looked like it hurt. So. Yeah, and uh, I my note is uh, Damian Priest took a page out of the book of Patti LaBelle, who might be before your time. There was a song called New Attitude, 
He's got a new attitude. Uh, I, I really, I see a heel turn. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Yeah. And um, then something interesting happens. So we're in the show. We've got Becky and Charlotte. Then we cut, well, you know, timing being what it is. It cuts to a backstage segment, and they're in the parking lot. And, and a limo pulls up, and there's a virtual who's who of, oh, I forgot you still work here, or it takes me a second to figure out who you are in the crowd. And Vince McMahon steps out of the limo. And I, Benny, I mean, I'm not saying this. I mean, no offense to, to anyone who older than I am, but Vince McMahon looks old. He, the wet time has not been kind to him the last few years. But um, he steps out of the limo, same swagger and strut. Good for him, by the way. Still has that aura about him, despite looking uh, aged. And he holds up a golden egg. Now, mind you, Benny, this is commercial number one for a show that would feature many of them. Uh, this is the prop from The Rock's uh, upcoming movie, uh, Rock, The Rock, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot, uh, Netflix. And apparently The Rock gave Vince McMahon this egg, which is worth umpteen millions of dollars. I think he said about $100 million. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this egg becomes the focus of a lot of the backstage show. And when he holds the egg out, the crowd of wrestlers around him goes nuts. Like Vince McMahon just <laughs> like, like he's literally holding the brass ring. Whoever cheers the hardest doesn't get cut next week. But I mean, I, I will say the, the best part of this, of the egg, and we'll get into how it featured further into the storyline later, was Corey Graves had a call. Because the egg, spoiler, during the show, it gets stolen. And there's a quest. The, the quest becomes figure out who stole the egg because it's the Rock's egg. Which, by the way, Benny, I want your thoughts on this. This was the, the 25th anniversary of the Rock's debut with the WWF. Uh, back at Rocky Maivia at the Survivor Series. And they this this entire pay-per-view, other than being one long commercial, was one long love letter to The Rock. They played all kinds of promo packages and video packages and history packages of The Rock's career. What did you think about the show focusing so heavily on The Rock's 25th anniversary? I just think it took a lot away from all the other people who were on the show. Yeah, and spoiler alert for the ending. Do you think it hurt the show that they put so much emphasis on the rock without the rock appearing even via satellite or camera. Yeah. I mean, honestly, when I first saw that, I'm thinking, okay, so at least I'm going to see the rock. That's one good thing that's going to happen tonight. And then, you know, obviously it didn't happen. Yeah. Cause remember, if you remember last year was the 30th anniversary of the undertaker's debut and the undertaker was there, you know, I mean, granted he's not as busy as the rock is these days, but, at least he made the time to show up. I And I'm not criticizing The Rock, but how do you build a show around The Rock? And The Rock it doesn't even do a bat. Like, you could have pre-recorded a backstage segment. you telling me they couldn't have, have flown somebody out with a camera crew to where The Rock's filming and talk to him for two minutes, let him cut a promo for two or three minutes? They, you know? Yeah, they, they could have easily done it on location anywhere. Yeah, or via satellite or something. Right, exactly. Nothing. So, yeah, the, the egg and, and the rock. And then and, and while we're on these promo packages, I'm going to I'm going to talk about them. They randomly spliced in some other people's packages like they had a promo package for Drew McIntyre. Which I'm don't get me wrong, I'm a fan of Drew McIntyre. They but I, I honestly thought, oh, are we talking like it took me a second to realize it wasn't about the rock. Cause it's drew McIntyre coming out as the chosen one and then his career and three MB and coming back and winning the title. And I was, I'm, I'm, they, they had a few of those thrown in there, sprinkled in there randomly promo packages, not tied to the rock. And I wondered if you caught how out of place and weird those felt. It's like, yeah, what, what, what doesn't belong with this set? It made no sense. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. But moving on from the the women's title match, which, by the way, so Raw, is, uh, SmackDown won the pre-show, but pre-shows, we're not going to count that. So Raw is one nothing right now. 
we move on to the men's match. This is Team Raw for Team SmackDown. Uh, Raw with Seth Rollins, uh, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley, and Austin Theory versus SmackDown, which was King Woods, Jeff Hardy, Drew McIntyre, uh, Happy Corbin, and Sheamus. Now, I mentioned earlier about people switching brands and how cohesion doesn't really matter. You know what else doesn't matter? When the teams change several times the week leading up to Survivor Series. If you remember, they announced the Raw and SmackDown teams on Twitter on a Saturday, which was weird and out of place. But then they kicked Dominic Mysterio off the team because, and this is again, this is the the, the ridiculous, stupid booking that's irritating me, is uh, Adam Pearce comes out and he says, you know, everybody on this team is a former champion except you, Dominic. So you have to fight Bobby Lashley, who's a former champion. And if you beat them, you can stay on the team. And because I want a team of all former champions. Okay, cool. Bobby Lashley, obviously, he wipes the floor with Dominic. He takes the spot. Then the next week, oh, Ray, you're fired. And Austin Theory's on the team, who is not a former champion. So well, that Ray was is. stupid yeah. and pointless. Yeah. yeah. And then SmackDown, you, they announced the team. And then Sami Zayn. He irritates the wrong person, so now he's got to defend his spot against Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy beats him, and then there's the mystery man. Uh, we're going to do a fatal four-way. Sheamus wins that. He gets to be on the team. Uh, so, I mean, the, the team changes. Both these teams changed the week before the show, which doesn't help any. Uh, and then the match starts. Okay, let's get it started. Kevin Owens uh, who I guess is getting revenge for Seth Rollins flaking out last year, basically says, you know, screw you guys. And he walks out, gets counted out, ding, 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 match five to four, first 30 seconds of the match. Um, hopefully that's revenge for Seth Rollins. If you remember last year, he laid down and let himself get pinned. Right. Because he just wanted out. So maybe that's that. I don't know. Um, but this match, it was... I guess it was serviceable. I wasn't a big fan of 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 some of the pacing. Um, but Balor uh, Balor eliminates Corbin. Uh, then you have uh, let me let me let me just thumb through my notes here. Yeah, Balor eliminates Cor- Corbin. You have uh, Lashley McIntyre. Uh, excuse me, Lashley eliminates King Woods. Lashley McIntyre double countout. Uh, you got Sheamus. Uh, eliminates Balor, Sheamus and Hardy doing the double team moves, which I thought was great. The 10 beats of the Balrin, Sheamus getting down for Hardy to do the uh, uh, jump off his back. And then Sheamus gets rolled up. He then immediately beats up Jeff Hardy on his way out the ring, which makes no sense. I get, I don't know, maybe Sheamus is supposed to be heel, whatever, but way to show teamwork and you're representing oh. your your team. Hardy finally gets the the up the one up. He eliminates Austin Theory. Can't, uh, Rollins gets the knees up on the Swanton Stomp. One two three. Rollins sole survivor. Raw's two up two nothing. The crowd loved Jeff Hardy. They were super super hot for Jeff Hardy. And it was the same way when I went to SmackDown uh, when they were in town here recently. Jeff Hardy was probably the got the biggest pop of the night. He was super over. Crowd loves him. Outside of that. The crowd slowly died down as this match went on. I think the double count out between McIntyre and Lashley took a lot of the wind out of their sails. And the crowd really never recovered. It never recovered. It, it, it petered off during this match. And we'll, we'll talk about it as we go forward. But the crowd just never recovered. Well, what do you, what'd you think of the match, Benny? Well, I mean, I, I, I clocked it at 29 minutes, 56 seconds, which... That was probably you know about average for a match like that. I agree with you, uh, and I I understand why they did it, where they both got counted out this way. Neither one took a pin. I get that part of it, but <clears throat> I think they could have done that a little bit further towards the back of the match, a little bit closer to the ending. And yeah, I think I, that I, that you know that might have appeased it, the fans a little bit. I would have uh, if you have to do that spot. I would have done it. And leave two men like have it be Hardy 
and McIntyre against Lashley and Rollins, and then McIntyre and Lashley get double right. count out, exactly. and then Rollins wins. That way, it kind of plays into the ending and doesn't just take the sails, like I said, wind out of the sails middle of the match. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible match. It wasn't a great match. I mean, apparently the crowd wasn't that into it, though. No, they, they really, like I said, they, they were hot for Jeff Hardy, and they were into it in the beginning, and then they slowly died out. Jeff Hardy seems to be over lately because uh, we've we've mentioned this on a couple of occasions that yeah. the crowd is really popping for Jeff Hardy. Yeah, what was what was the event we we did where we were surprised that he was like the hottest person yeah, on the card? I, I, one of the pay per views. Absolutely, same thing. Got a huge reaction. Yeah, but I, I don't. I wish I, I don't remember now. But yeah, we we talked about it in the past, but. With the crowd dying down, um, we have more backstage BS on the egg. Vince McMahon showing the egg off to Roman Reigns. Hey, your cousin got me this. He's awesome and you're not. Benny, before we continue, please tell me that th- that that Vince McMahon's buddy relationship where The Rock's giving him $100 million gifts is not going to be the driving force for the Rock-Roman Reigns match that's being rumored. That they're not going to, right? It's not going to be a, a head of the table versus Vince's buddy. Well, they, they, they won't ruin it like that, will they? It's a bit obvious, isn't it? I mean, well, I, I thought for sure it was th- that the egg would come into play later, but it did not. By the way, you didn't watch Raw, you didn't miss anything. It was terrible. Um, during, I mentioned during the show, I'm going to, we're going to take a side detour for a second. The egg was stolen. Uh, turns out they found uh, Vince ordered everybody to Raw. Uh, whoever brings me the egg gets a title shot. It, it, various clips of the superstars tearing the locker room apart looking for the egg. Turns out Austin Theory stole the egg. He stole it because he wanted a selfie with it because that's his gimmick, beating up people and taking selfies. Uh, turns out Vince, huge Austin Theory fan. So all's forgiven. Uh, no harm, no foul. You remind me a lot of a young me. You can have the title shot instead. And that was it. So that's that's the egg. The egg, uh, this whole Survivor Series egg buildup, the 40 minutes of screen time the egg got was uh, for Austin to push Austin Theory and have him lose to Big E in a title match. Um, yeah, so that was pointless. That's about but it. this goes to the best part of the egg after it was stolen. I give Corey Graves credit. Call of the night without question. Calling back to the days of the gobbledygooker, he he said, uh, poor Vince McMahon, how many times can you bring a big egg to Survivor Series and have it go badly? Nice. Yeah. Very clever. And it was real. He kind of threw it in there. It was real clever how he did that. I don't know who wrote that line, but very, very well said. But uh, back to the show. So we've got a dead crowd and we're going to keep them, uh, as they say, as the crowd goes mild. The next match was a uh, 25-minute Pizza Hut commercial. I'm sorry, I had that written down wrong. A 25-man battle royal. Um, this was a 25-man to celebrate The Rock's 25 years. Uh, no stakes other than bragging rights. Uh, but whoever wins apparently gets pizza because this is this event was sponsored by Pizza Hut. Uh, the Street Profits, who are now pizza salesmen, come to the ring with pizza. The ring is surrounded by pizza. The announcers spend several minutes of the match talking about pizza to the uh, Byron Saxton is apparently he doesn't get paid enough to eat because he's starving. All he talked about was wanting some pizza and pizza played into the match. Our uh, truth rolled out of the ring and grabbed some pizza and tried to pay off Omos with it and then gave some to Otis and Otis. Otis ate the pizza. Yeah. yeah. Benny, this this entire battle royal was a giant pizza commercial. When when eliminations were happening, they cut back to the pizza. They played, uh, they made pizza puns during some of the talent. Uh, oh look at this guy's so good, you know, but not as good as a deal as you get on this pizza. Uh, just terrible stuff. Um, I will say three three things I noted. Obviously, oh this this entire battle royal was just to make Omos look super strong. Uh, he won. Uh, eliminating, I think they said 13 or 12 or 13 men. Um, so he eliminated half 
of the of the p- competitors that were eliminated. Uh, there were a couple of notes there. Um, AJ Styles kind of doing the rolling out of the ring and not coming in until the end still gets eliminated. I thought that was fun. Um, they had a stare down slash battle between uh, Omos and Shanky, Jinder Mahal's uh, hired hand, which I didn't realize until you see him next to Omos. The Shanky is seven feet tall. Oh, absolutely. You know, because pe- you people forget he does. He doesn't look that much bigger. People forget how big Jinder Mahal is, you know. Um, but yeah, Shank. And then uh, obviously they had Omos um, had a stare down and chop battle with Commander Aziz. And he eliminated them both. Now, I think that's an interesting way to do it. You have three seven foot plus giants, excuse me, seven foot plus giants in this match. And really the only one you pushed was Omos. He eliminated the other two. Commander Aziz with, with with more ease than Shanky, it felt like. Um, but what happens in the end? Omos wins. Uh, Styles goes to give him some pizza. The Street Profits attack AJ Styles as he's going for the pizza, and they steal the pizza and throw the pizza into the crowd, which I, I can't speak for you, Benny, but if I was at a wrestling event, I would be mad if wrestlers threw pizza at me. Because, I mean, that's... I hope that was somehow staged and not a real slice of pizza. He was Frisbee throwing into the stands. Um, but yeah, this, this entire match was a giant pizza commercial and Omos is a big tough guy. So this was pointless and the crowd very much uh, expressed that interest. It, it was totally shameless. I mean, I, I was thinking back in the day, like, you know, Gordon Sully saying, Oh, look, Kevin Sullivan is gouging Dusty Rhodes' eyes with with a with a uh, a tampon. Oh, and by God, it's a Tampax, and you know, like, and it was a Tampax commercial. Like, really, it, it had no place where it was. Yeah, but um, with uh, with Omos here, Raw's now three nothing. Uh, we transition to the next match, which this was my favorite of the night. Uh, this was the RK Bros against the Usos, uh, tag team champs against tag team champs. Uh, what were your thoughts on this match, Benny? I liked it. I really, uh, you know, Riddle is kind of growing on me. Not not so much his personality, but his wrestling. He, he's I, I, To me, he's improving. I think their team is improving. I really didn't think they were going to win, but I'm, I'm, you know, I was very impressed. Yeah, no, I... I... I figured they might because the Usos won't suffer as much from a loss. Um, but yeah, you're right. Riddle has really, Matt Riddle has come into his own. And the crowd definitely got more into this match. Uh, obviously, Riddle is, is over. Randy Orton is over. The Usos the Usos could put on a good tag match against the roll of quarters. Um, but now, interesting side note. Uh, Randy Orton mentioned this. With this match, Randy Orton has broken Kane's record. They were tied. He's now 100. Randy Orton's wrestled uh, the most uh, pay-per-view matches in WWE history. He's He was tied with Kane going into this event. He's now surpassed him. So uh, Randy Orton, and uh, the next time Randy Orton wrestles on Raw, he will have the most Raw matches of any wrestler uh, in WWE history as well. So that shows some staying power for him. Great wrestler. I mean, you know, great wrestling family. I think he's surpassed both his uh, his father and his grandfather, who are both great. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's an incredibly talented family. Uh, Randy Orton. And and I give him credit for, for two things. One, he wrestles a very safe style. He very rarely gets hurt. I know um, he broke his collarbone at Mania the one year, but that was Triple H's fault. Um, and he doesn't hurt the people he wrestles. And and despite, I mean, he's gone heel face, heel face a few times in his career. But his 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 in ring talent, his in ring style never changes. You know, you got the fact that he can put on the same match, the same style of match heel or face is, is incredible. It's a good talent. And of course, being able to hit the RKO the way he does, um, which this match, I thought it was great. 
when Uso, they had the blind tag, Uso going for the splash. Randy Orton catches him with the RKO during the splash. <laughs> the only issue I had with that was it was still a splash. Like Riddle took the entire impact of that splash. It's just instead of landing on his arm, Jay, Jay landed in Randy Orton's shoulder. But Riddle still got the brunt of that splash. It, yeah. So that, that, that looked like it hurt everybody all around. But I thought it was great. Um, the crowd popped for the ending. And, uh, yeah, so Raw, 4 nothing at this point. Because, you know, tag, Royal, uh, men's and women's championship match. So 4 nothing. Now we come to uh, the women's match. And I'm sorry, this match, it was sloppy, but it was not as bad I don't know what happened between maybe, maybe it was the backstage stuff, but this, the crowd not just was not into this match, but they turn openly turned against it. You could hear, uh, chance. Uh, we are awesome. The, for some reason, a CM punk chant, which I don't know why they still fans still do that. He's back. He wrestles again. Um, apparently there was an AEW chant, but the the microphones didn't pick that up. I read that this morning. Or yesterday, excuse me. Um, but this match we'll get into is Raw. Team Raw was uh, Rhea Ripley, Liv Morgan, Carmella, uh, Queen Zelina, and Bianca Belair against Team SmackDown, which was Shayna Baszler, Tony Storm, who was added late, uh, Natalia, Shotzi, and Sasha Banks. Now, I have a couple complaints with this match, and I'll ask your thoughts on these as well. The first is... The, the bit with Carmella with getting eliminated quickly because she had to wrestle in the mask. Um, it really seems like that mask is just an excuse to job her out. But then her and Z- spoiler, Benny, because you didn't watch her and Zelina won the tag, the women's tag titles on Raw yesterday. So you treat her like a chump at the pay-per-view. And at least Zelina Vega looks good. And then you give them the tag titles. So, right. I guess Nikki Cross is getting buried harder than Carmella was. Or, excuse me, Nikki A.S.H. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, but then I started to notice the crowd. People were, they were dead. Tony Storm, Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, uh, Liv Morgan. People who always get good reactions. Nothing. Liv Morgan hit her finisher, and it was quiet. Like, that move always gets a pop. But... It's, uh, yeah, this, I, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't get into it. Um, obviously raw took a beating, um, pretty early. You know, I mentioned Carmela, uh, Zelina, Zelina. It, it came down to Bianca Belair against, uh, the four, four SmackDown women. And, what what ended up happening was state the the women the SmackDown women ended up eliminating Sasha Banks. Now correct me if I'm wrong, Benny, because the spot was each girl took a turn stopping her from getting back in the ring. There was a point where she crawled into the ring and Natalia grabbed her by the ankles, like maybe five or six inches above her boot was out of the ring. Everything else was in the ring of her body. I mean, in a normal match, the ref would have stopped the count three or four right. times. I mean, she's in the ring all but one foot and, and he, and they drag her back out seven, eight, like, wait a minute. I thought this, I don't, I don't, I get what they were going for, but I thought the spot was very poorly executed because really all you have to do is get back on the apron to break the count. She was in the, she was 90% in the ring twice. And they kept pulling her out. And one time it was about half. But yeah, it, uh, I don't know. It, um, my, my issue that was, go ahead, Benny. Yeah. My issue was her, my issue was Rhea Ripley having to take a pin and Sasha not having to take a pin. Yeah. I, I think it should have been the other way around. I'm not a big fan of Sasha Banks at all. I think she's sloppy. She hurts people. She's always hurt. And she's got an annoying voice. Like she just drank eggnog. So like eggnog. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 
<laughs> she always she she her voice sounds she's like she she just drank eggnog. I <clears throat> I love the fact that they 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 booked Bianca so strong. I love that fact, but I yeah. you know I didn't think Rhea Ripley should have had to take a pin. No, I I don't either. And it was kind of a a weak pin too. At least if you're going to have Rhea Ripley take the pin, have her take two or three finishers. You know, right. Yeah, like double teamed or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Or or maybe dirty pin with somebody's foot on the ropes. Because you had several heels. Really, you had four. Uh, well, technically, Tony Storm's a tweener. But you had three heels on the SmackDown team. And you pin Rhea clean. Like, have her get, get a dirty finish in there. That was my um, biggest issue with the match. Yeah. But I, I the crowd was dead. I right, mean, right. dead for this match. And now I will say, Benny, you, you're right. I liked... Because Bianca Belair ran the table. She came back four to one. Um, she ended up beating Shotzi for the final elimination, which, by the way, Shotzi looked great. Her, I yes, think absolutely. They've, done, they've done good with her since her heel turn. Um, but and, and I'm I'm glad that they're keeping Bianca strong. I was worried when it was when she left the title picture that they were going to push her down the card like they did with Asuka or Rhea, Rhea Ripley recently. But they've kept her looking very strong. So. Maybe she's back towards the title of picture later. You never know. Yeah. I wouldn't. I mean, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if she wins the Rumble again. But who knows? Crowd was dead for this one. Raw's up uh, five nothing. So once again, SmackDown getting buried. Uh, and I mean that as a criticism of. You remember last year, Raw won pretty handedly. And that was the first year that SmackDown was on Fox. So I'm sure Fox was grateful. They spend $200 million a year on a show that they're pounding, punching, literally reaching out your TV and slapping you saying, hey, Raw is better. Right, exactly. Which goes to, again, booking confusion. Benny, you always talk numbers. You talk the ratings. SmackDown has been doing better ratings and better numbers than Raw and moving more merch as far as Roman Reigns and the family and some of the SmackDown talent. But you treat it, they continue to treat it like the B-show. It, it kills me. But Roman, they treat Roman Reigns like he's the biggest star they have, but they treat SmackDown like the B-show. I, I don't get it. No, and I was, you know, as I was reading my notes, thinking, wait a minute, like, so Raw's got one. Wait, Raw's got two. This can't be right. Raw's got, like, th this can't be right. It, it, it doesn't, it should be the other way around. Yeah, I mean, or at least keep it neutral. Because remember... I think it was last year or the year before where the new day won the uh, the new day won the tag titles or one that won the tag team match on the pre-show and raw raw went ran the gambit. And then the running joke was like, you know, on, on SmackDown, the new days, like, hey, we were the only ones who won for SmackDown. And it's like, well, it, it, it wasn't on the air, so it doesn't count. You know, and then obviously NXT won the year before, which made sense because they were pushing NXT as a third brand at the time before Vince and his cronies came in and killed that NXT 2.0. What a joke. So uh, then we come to the main event. This is title for title, um, big or not title for title, excuse me, champion against champion, Big E against Roman Reigns. And this was by far the best technical match. And the best pound for pound match that they had. It wasn't my favorite. Cause I just love the, the tag style, but it, it was, it was a great match start to finish. Um, obviously the, the run of the story was biggies knee and, and Roman working the injury, uh, biggie kicking out of a Superman punch, kicking out of a spear Roman kicking out of the big ending biggie pound for uh, punch for punch blow for blow. Uh, finally, Big E tries the big ending. Roman stomps the knee again. Big E down. Roman hits the spear. One, two, three. Great match, really. I, I this is the only match I would give an A to in the show. It, it, and it it was re, twenty two minutes uh, long too. I mean, what, what's that? For, I said it was twenty two minutes longer for two big guys. I mean, they were going at it pretty hard. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't a typical Haas fight. No, you know, not picture. at all. The, you know, Big Show versus, you know, uh, Undertaker or something like that. Or or the old uh, Diesel-Sid matches, if you remember those. Oh, absolutely. But, um, 
I wonder. You think you think you, you were a fan of the older the older territory days. You think uh, Haystacks could have had a twenty two minute match? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, maybe if like eighteen minutes of it was a headlock. <laughs> 20, 20 minutes of rest holds. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But um. No, no I, I I enjoyed I, that match too. I, I I totally agree with you. I did, and I think the crowd kind of got the crowd liked it. They came alive for some of it. But then as the match wound down, I think they started to realize that this was it. No Brock Lesnar. No, no Rock. Brock, no, no Brock. No, no Rock. No twists. No nothing. Roman's going to win clean and the pay-per-view's over. Uh, which is interesting because they had a backstage segment where they announced that uh, Brock's indefinite suspension is over. So, yeah, it. Uh, I think it, it reminded me of a couple years ago when there was teasing of who the 30th man man was going to be. Was it going to be a Balor call up? Was it going to be the fiend? Uh, was it going to be, or the, before the fiend, was it going to be the new Bray Wyatt? Was it going to be Samoa Joe coming back? And the 30th man was Roman Reigns who had already wrestled on the show and the crowd just completely lost it. Cause it was like, come on, you ruined it. Or if you remember, um, from uh, the re- before WrestleMania 30, where everybody was pushing for Daniel Bryan to win the Rumble, and Rey Mysterio had his big return at number 30, and he got booed because that's when the fans realized that not only was Bryan not winning the Rumble, but he wasn't even going to be in it. Right. Exactly. And I think that was this: the crowd soured when they realized, hey, no, 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 Lesnar, The Rock's not coming out. We just sat through 20 minutes of Rock video vignettes, a Pizza Hut commercial, a storyline about a stupid egg. You know, this whole show's been a love letter to The Rock. And let's be honest, Benny, The Rock, I mean, he showed up on a, on a AEW pay-per-view a couple months ago. But the, the big name, remember the announcement he did where he, um, <laughs> how, how does, how does a, The Rock more involved in an AEW show than he is in a 25-year love letter to himself? I think they really... I get it. Maybe the rock's busy. I don't know. I don't know what the real story is, but the fans at some point they realized, wait, the rock's not coming. And they just, and they, the ending went South quick. I was bummed because, you know, I think when, when uh, Roman pinned uh, Big E, there was still on my timer. It looked like there was seven minutes left. And I'm thinking, you know, as, as Roman's leaving the ring, surely now something's going to happen. And I, when I saw the little logo, you know, when they said, see you, you know, see you soon or whatever they said. Right. It's like, wait, this isn't going to happen. And yeah, I'm thinking, holy I crap, that's, what, a, we, what a letdown. You, you see the little WWE logo fade in in the bottom corner and you're right. like, wait, that's, that's, that's it? Like, Yeah, that's when I knew I was getting Stu Gatz, you know? You, you te- yeah, you, you had all this crap about The Rock. You, you, you openly said, hey, Brock Lesnar isn't suspended anymore. Or and let me rephrase that. His indefinite suspension is ending. So, like Paul Heyman, what's going on? Nothing. They, yeah. This was bad. This show was bad. Uh, even with some good wrestling, maybe if I'm in a good mood, if I'm in a good mood, I give this show two out of five stars. This is the worst Survivor Series in recent memory. Um, I'm not going to let mis- nostalgia cloud how much I love the Survivor Series. I'm sure some of the uh, so there have been some some sour ones in there. I remember a uh, <clears throat> particular build with the uh, the British Bulldog, and he was going to put a team together to take on some of the mid card faces he was feuding with, like Steve Blackman. And then the British Bulldog comes out, and his three partners are the Mean Street Posse. And I was like, wait, wow, okay. You know, you talk about a crowd turning on something, but this was show was awful, Benny. It was awful. Raw, the Raw after was garbage with bad story and and bad build. And I, I'm so angry about the payoff for that egg. And you 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 bury Nikki Ash because they they had promos about how she. Uh, Rhea's carrying dead weight and she's a loser and then she takes the fall to Carmella and, and Queen Zelina Carmella who's been booked as a jobber recently um, I mean Queen Zelina obviously won the tournament so good for her but uh, 
I guess and it looks like the the next big feud for Bianca Belair is going to be Dewdrop, um, which good good on Piper Piven for for carrying there, but it's the the bad build for that. It's terrible. Um, as we get ready to sign off, Benny, you and I talked about this before the show. Um, I'm sorry. I know we've done Mania, we've done pay per views in the past, and maybe. Maybe Mania, maybe the Rumble, if something happens, worth talking about. But I think uh, uh, you and I agreed. We talked about it. We're done. Um, we're not going to cover uh, review prediction shows, none of that, um, the, the WWE pay-per-views anymore. We can talk AEW. We can talk NWA. We can talk uh, Japan. But the WWE has uh, soured me enough that I'm, I'm done. So, well, we can talk. We can talk about wrestling. This was not wrestling. I don't know what you call it, but it this wasn't was wrestling. A, yeah, we we can talk about something that's not a twenty-five that doesn't have twenty-five minute pizza commercials in their matches. So, um, yeah, we're we're done on that front. So, for those out there that uh, that liked that stuff, I apologize, but I just can't. I can't do it. Um, the the meat and potatoes of what we do are our good interviews and conversations, and we've got some good ones coming up. We got plenty of those lined up. Plenty of those coming up, including and you 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 hyped it, and I can't wait. Our Christmas special featuring the lead legend himself coming back to our show after after agreeing to sponsor us. Uh, you and I are going to get to talk to Boogie Claus, so that's cool. Very well kept secret that he is Santa Claus's brother, <laughs> younger brother, of course. Of course, yes. The, uh, it's, I mean, we've got a lot of good stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, this show keeps growing. Our fan base is, is, is growing. We're having a lot of fun. We got a lot of good shows coming up, but we do not have any more shows planned to talk about WWE pay-per-views. They've, this is a wrestling podcast, um, but the sports entertainment has taken too much. So we are moving on from that. Amen. Any final thoughts, Benny? No, everything you just said was, you know, I, it's a shame because the, some of the wrestling wasn't that bad, but I always use the example of, you know, you get your favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream, and then you take a, an eyedropper and you drop two droplets of dog poop in that Ben and Jerry's ice cream. It, yeah. Those little two drops, that it ruins the whole thing. And, you know, in this case, those two drops were Vince McMahon and that egg. Yeah. No, that's the, uh, how's that old adage go about, uh, Bad apples spoil the bunch. One bad apple spoils the yeah. whole bunch. Yep. But um, yeah, it's it's rough. But plenty of good stuff coming up next week. We got gonna have a lot of fun. And um, like I said, go if you're out there, go find that that Brian Danielson Hangman Page promo. Go look up Irvin Legend's work. Keep up the eyes out there. Uh, we've had a lot of fun. We're gonna keep doing it. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. We're um, gonna enjoy the holiday. Uh, me, I'm I'm. I enjoy myself some turkey, and of course, I will. I will uh, very humbly admit to the audience that my gravy is the best in the world. So I, I definitely love looking at that, and we're looking forward to it. So uh, enjoy the holidays from uh, from Dan and Benny to everyone out there. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will see you guys next week. Good night, folks. <laughs>